Today we're continuing our Exiles and Aliens sermon series, living out our hope in a world that is not our home. You, you see, the book of Peter, First Peter, it's not a book, it was a letter written to first century Christians, okay? In their context, what they were going through, and, and anytime we read scripture, one important thing for us to realize is we read and study it. We, we look at what is the person writing, what was he writing to them, okay, in their context, and we look at how their context and our context is different. It's kind of like this river that goes in between, and then we seek to build a bridge from what Peter was writing to them to how that applies to us. And today, that's a really important thing to do because Peter is writing about submission to governing authorities, and he's living under an emperor, okay? To us, we live in a democracy, so it's different, but we can still see what Peter is saying to them and cross the bridge to what it means to us. But before we get going into Second uh, Peter chapter 2, you can go ahead and turn there. Let's just do a little bit of a summary. Here is the flow of First Peter so far. So if you've been here the last couple weeks, this will kind of remind you where we're at, where we've been. If you haven't been here, this will kind of catch you up. So one of the main themes is we are exiles and aliens. This world is not our home. We're, we're, we are pilgrims, so to speak, journeying through this time, but heaven and our inheritance with Christ, that is our home. That's the theme here. We are aliens and exiles. This is not our home. We should feel this, this I don't quite fit in, I don't quite belong. There's got to be something more because there is. In the context of First Peter, suffering is the context. These are early Christians that are being persecuted for their faith. And so they're suffering, and so we're, that's the context that Peter is writing to. Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, is the crux of everything. Peter's going to continue to come back to that, okay? And, and, and we get that with, he starts right out. Because Jesus rose from the dead, we have new birth into a living hope. Because Jesus rose from the dead, and this hope is into a certain and imperishable, undefiled inheritance. An inheritance that's to come. An inheritance that is protected for us, reserved for us, while we are shielded and protected in order to receive it. Because, But for the grace of God, we don't make it through this life in faithfulness, right? We don't make it through this life, but because Jesus has saved us and he carries us to that inheritance. So, so that's what this book has been about. And Peter says this, that inheritance that's coming because of the new birth we have through the living hope that we have. Why? Because Jesus rose from the dead. That is the basis for our joy and our hope in the midst of suffering. That is the basis for the strength that we can have when the world seems like it's falling apart. And oh, how we need that today. Oh, how we need that always. And then he moves on to talking about our new identity in Christ. Because Jesus rose from the dead, he has become this living stone. He's the foundation that everything is built on, okay? And, and that's what Paul, uh, Paul would say. He says, I, I came to you preaching Christ and him crucified. Like, that's it. And I came and I laid this foundation and we build on it with our life. We build our life on the love of God, on Jesus Christ. And out of that identity we have as living stones built and formed together, that we may become this new priesthood, this, this new nation, a people belonging to God. Why? That we may then proclaim his excellencies. The one who's rescued us out of darkness and into light. 
We see this all throughout the letters. Here's what Christ has done because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Here's what it means for you. Here's who it makes you to be, your identity. And now out of it, therefore, this is what I want you to do. And so as we go through 1 Peter, we're asking, how then shall we live? And, and you know, one of, the, one of the cool things I enjoy about preaching through a book, enjoy maybe, yeah, I do enjoy it. You preach through things that you wouldn't necessarily choose to preach on, okay? Because today, the topic for today, not really any of us like it. Because we're going to talk about submission. I mean, how many of you would love to put yourself underneath somebody else? Anybody? They're like, I love that, okay? Some of that is uh, because we are children of Adam and Eve, right? It's part of our human nature. Another part of it is we live here in America, and there's freedoms that we have. We have those Bill of Rights. We have a freedom of speech, okay? That freedom of speech allows us to speak things that are in rebellion to the established order, right? Okay, so like we, we, have, we have some of that as humans. We're like, I want to do what I want to do because I want to do it. Like, and so preaching on submission is not necessarily a really fun thing to do. It's not necessarily a really fun thing to listen to. But this isn't this is in God's word, and this is really important. Okay, and I'm getting way too ahead of myself, so I'm gonna I'm gonna stop there. But I wanted to give you that that groundwork. Okay, but this is all gonna come back to because Jesus rose from the dead. So we're gonna take that and we're gonna kind of put that in our pocket or put that in our heart and keep it there, because that's the foundation for everything Peter is writing about. Because you see, Peter understands suffering. He's gonna be crucified upside down for Jesus Christ. He understands that. He gets what's going on. And because Jesus rose from the dead, he knows that he will as well. That's a context for his life and for ours. So let's go ahead and read through this chapter, okay, just to kind of get the big picture of it. And then we will go back over and unpack it just a little bit. So we're going to start in verse 9, okay? This is where it talks about our identity, okay? But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. For you were once not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. That's our identity. You used to not be this, but now you are. You've been welcomed in. Therefore, here's the action items. Okay, Beloved, I urge you as aliens and strangers as exiles and aliens, to abstain from the fleshly lusts which wage war against your soul. Keep your behavior excellent among the Gentiles, so that in the thing in which they slander you as evildoers, they may, because of your good deeds as they observe them, glorify God in the day of visitation. Submit yourselves, for the Lord's sake, to every human institution, whether to a king as the one in authority, or to the governors as sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and the praise of those who do right. For such is the will of God that by doing right you may silence the ignorance of foolish men. Act as free men and do not use your freedom as a covering for evil, but use it as bond slaves or bond servants of God. Honor all people, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. Servants, be submissive to your masters with all respect, not only to those who are good and gentle, but also to those who are unreasonable. For this finds favor. If for the sake of conscience towards God, a person bears up under sorrows when suffering unjustly, for what credit is there if when you sin and are harshly treated? 
you endure it with patience. But if when you do what is right and suffer for it patiently, and you patiently endure it, this finds favor with God. For you have been called for this purpose, since Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example for you to follow in his steps, who, who committed no sin, nor was there any deceit found in his mouth. And while being reviled, he did not revile in return. While suffering, he uttered no threats, but kept entrusting himself to him who judges righteously. And he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross, so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. For by his wounds you were healed. For you were continually strained like sheep, but now you have returned to the shepherd and the guardian of your souls. You see, Peter is writing to people, and he wants them to know, you are an alien, you're an exile. You're a pilgrim. You're a sojourner. Those are all words that we would use in different Bible translations. This world is not your home. You are passing through it. There is a kingdom that is coming. There's an inheritance that's coming. Okay? Um, I, I read a quote this week. I forget where it was from. And it talked about we often think that we're in the land of the living going to the land of the dead. But it says, no, we're in the land of the dying going to enter into the land of the living. Right? We're all living here, but we're also all going to die one day. But in heaven, there's no more death. There's no sickness. There's no sadness. And so Peter is saying, look, you're aliens and exiles. You can embrace that because Jesus died in your place. And the reality of that and the new identity that you have means there's a way to live. And today he's talking about when it comes to submission. So we're going to talk about submission in general. We're going to talk about submission to the government and submission to servants and masters, or we could look at that into uh, employees and employers, okay? Uh, and, and we're going to look at how God desires our submission to be a witness to the world. Because today we're talking about uh, wit, the witness of submission. So let's go ahead and look back and let's unpack some of these things, and we'll see how it centers in on Jesus Christ rising from the dead. All right, we kind of already summarized that, so we'll keep going. First Peter chapter 2, verse 11 through 12. Okay? This is something we need to hold on to because this is the jumping off point. This is a diving board, so to speak, for the next uh, probably two chapters of Peter. Okay? He's going to talk about submission to government. He's going to talk about submission when it, when it uh, comes to uh, our employers. He's going to talk about suffering. He's going to connect it with Jesus. He's going to talk about uh, submission in, in context of marriage. And then he's going to wrap it back into suffering uh, for Jesus and the hope that we have. But this right here is the diving board for that. Okay. First of all, he says, Beloved, okay, I urge you as aliens and strangers, abstain from the fleshly lusts that wage war against your soul. That's the saying no to the things of the world. We talked about that a couple weeks ago. Now here's the positive part of it. Keep your behavior excellent among the Gentiles. Why is that? Why does he say that? Okay, So that in the things in which they slander you as evildoers, they may, because of your good deeds, as they observe them, glorify God in the day of visitation. You see, God desires our submission and even our suffering to be a witness to the world. Because look up here at this, okay? It says, keep your behavior excellent. Why? So that even if we are slandered, even if people look at us and they don't understand us, they're going to observe our good deeds. And when they do that, they will glorify God on the day he comes to visit Lord willing, that's because they realize their need for a Savior and the witness of our lives and others' lives brings them to the place where they say, I, I need that. 
and they glorify God now and on the day that he returns. For those that reject him, they will glorify God on that day. Every knee will bow, every tongue will confess. And so it's important how we live because we are a witness to the world. So that's this whole thing. Everything he's talking about, submission to the human institutions, is this in mind. That by seeing our life lived in front of them, the good deeds, they will glorify God. Because you know what? The church all throughout history um, has faced derision. Okay? In Peter's time, what were they being slandered of? Okay? Christians were thought to be cannibals because they ate flesh and they drank blood. Okay? That's not what they did. That's not what we do. Okay? They took bread that represented Jesus' body. They took the cup of wine that represented his blood. And they ate that to remind themselves of Jesus' death. But they were thought to be cannibals. They were thought to be seditionists because they did not worship the emperor as God. They were thought to be atheists because they didn't worship all the other gods. They only had one god. They were thought to be immoral because they gathered together for love feasts and the people didn't know what was going on there and they just assumed it was something immoral. And so the church has always experienced the outside looking in and slander. And here's what Peter says. How you fight against that is not to be louder than them, but it's to show them the gospel lived out through your life. And what he's going to go right into next is one of our favorite words, right? Let's look here. Submit. Very next thing. If we want to live out our faith, submit yourselves. That word submit means to place yourself under. It has the idea of like rank in a military and you place yourself under the rank of somebody else, okay? It's not like, uh, you know, like become a doormat and things like that. That's not what it is, okay? It's putting yourself under the authority that's there. Now, why are we supposed to do that? What does it say up there? I even color-coded it for you. For the Lord's sake, yeah. Submit yourselves. Put yourself under why? Because this is what God desires us to do. For his sake, to what? Every human institution. Now, what are the human institutions? Okay, In the Greek there, it, it, what the words are like for human created things. Okay, That's kind of what it is. So we would often look at what are the things that God has given the world to help govern the world, to bring order to the world, so to speak, um, some people would call them like the common graces, okay? God has given us government, okay, in order to uh, punish evil and reward good, okay? Without a government and laws, people could do whatever they wanted, right? Now, some people would choose what is good because they, 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 they want to do what is good. But some people, the only reason why they don't do wrong things is because they know they're going to be punished by what? The government, okay? Uh, another one we could look at is the family. We have the institution of the family and how the parents work together, the husband and wife and the kids submit, and there's mutual submission there. The church is another one of the institutions. So those are kind of the three main ones that we see in Scripture. Uh, some will also talk about the institution of, like, the commercial world. That's where we get, like, the servants and the masters and things like that. Basically, it's the things that are there. Um, we see this show up. Almost every time we're exhorted to submit to something, the authorities that are there in place. And so we're going to look at what is Peter saying about submission and what does that mean for us? Okay, so continuing on, submit yourselves for the Lord's sake as unto him, right? Worship to him, submitting to him, okay, to every human institution, starting with the government, whether to king as the one in authority or to governors as sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and the praise of those who do what is right. Okay, 
in here, we get the main purpose of government, okay? Two things. The government is established to punish evildoers and to reward those who do what is right. That helps maintain a semblance of order in society. Everybody can't just do whatever they want because there are things that are illegal and you'll get in trouble for doing that. And there are rewards for doing what is right. And sometimes we really need those extrinsic motivations in order to stay on the straight and narrow. Now, that doesn't mean that everything a government says is right is right and everything they say is wrong is wrong. That's not it. But government does give an order to life that if we didn't have could lead to chaos. Okay? Now, some of you may debate how more chaotic it would be or not, that's not for today's sermon, okay? This is just, that's what we see in Scripture the purpose of government is, okay? Continuing on, okay? So same verses there. For such is the will of God. I made that big because there's not often where it's like spelled out, here's God's will. You want to know what God's will is for your life? Here's one thing it says in Scripture, okay? God's will is that when we do what is right, we silence the, the ignorance of foolish men. Not when we're louder than them or we argue so well and we put our point so well that we, we destroy their argument. That's not what it says. Okay? Now, debate, apologetics, defending our faith, those are good things to do. Okay? When we live in such a way that we do what is good and right, that is God's will for us. That is how we silence the ignorant, foolish talk of men. Now, there's a lot of ignorant, foolish talk out there, right? Amen? Yeah? And so it is God's will that as we live out our faith in front of the watching world, as we willingly submit ourselves to these different institutions, to one another in love, that's what it says in Ephesians, it silences them. And then this is what he says, act as free men. And do not use your freedom as a covering up for evil, but use it as bond slaves of God. Now, now what does this mean, okay? There, there's a couple things here that I think that this can mean. Let me get my notes all out here because I've got things on multiple pages here. Peter's writing to people who are free. And this is where it's the same for us. They are free in Christ. We are free in Christ, okay? There's not really much of a river to divide them from us. doesn't matter if they were 2,000 years ago. doesn't matter if they were living under a tyrant empire. doesn't matter. They are free in Christ, free from sin, free from the punishment of sin. And, and, and Paul would say everything is beneficial, but I mean everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. We are free in Christ. We are free from the effect. We are free from the punishment of sin. We're free to live for him. So Peter says, you, you are free. You're free. But don't use your freedom that you have to cover up evil. Don't use it as a shroud to protect yourself. I'm free. I can do this. I know it's wrong. But no. He says, don't do that. On the other hand, he is probably writing to some people that were free citizens of that time. And so he says, use your citizenship, your freedom you have, not as a cloak for evil, but to do what is good. And I think that's something for us as Americans to think about. How do we use our freedom that we have in this nation that those in Peter's time wouldn't have known about? What does it mean to live in a democracy? I have no idea what that is. Nero's crazy. He's the emperor. Whatever he says goes. And don't use your freedom as a covering for evil, but use it as what? What does it say up there? Bond slaves, as a slave of God. So he says, look, you're free. You're free. You're free to be a slave to God, so be a slave to God. Don't use it as a cover-up for evil. And then this is how he summarizes it. 
honor all people, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. And before we unpack that a little bit, I just want to look at a little bit, how does verse 16, how can we look at this and how do we look at what it means to live in America in this time? Um, because you know what, I, I, as I look at this sermon, some of the things that we're, that we're going through, there's not necessarily just like exactly clear cut, this is what it means, this is, this is, this is. How do we take this and live it out in the intricacies of our life? And I think it's a great time for us to kind of try to get a bigger picture and to have the conversations of what that could look like. Because you see, we have freedoms in America, right? We have the Bill of Rights. We have constitutions. We have constitutional rights and things like that. Paul willingly gave up his rights to minister to people. Now, he used his right as a Roman citizen to protect him from some persecution, but he was willing to give up his rights for ministry. And so as I read through this, it causes me to go, God, how tightly do I hold on and fight for my rights, and when do I submit? And you know what? I don't have the exact answer in that. I know we are to be people that are marked by submission to God, and it shows up in submission to these other things. But how much do I or how much do we as a church want to fight, fight for our rights? And how much of that is, yeah, this is how you live as free people in a free nation with the rights that you have. And how much of it do we say, I'm willing to let go of that for ministry? I don't have the exact answer for that. But I think Peter wants us to wrestle with that as we look at what those different things are. We definitely in Scripture get... Um, guidance on what it means to submit to authority, but not all the time, so to speak. Okay? Uh, let me get our oh, Acts chapter 4. Peter and, the, and, uh, and John have just healed this uh, lame man. Okay? He's walking and leaping and praising God, and they get arrested, and the people say, the Sanhedrin says, You cannot preach in Jesus' name. Okay? Submission to the government authorities would say, they said I can't preach in Jesus' name. I have to submit to them. No, okay? There's a caveat there. You judge whether it's right in the sight of God to get a heed to you rather than to God. You be the judge, they said. For we cannot stop speaking about what we've seen and heard. So they say basically what they're going to say in the next chapter, they get arrested again, and the people are like, we told you not to preach in his name. And they said, we must obey God rather than men. Amen. That's the truth. We submit to the governing authorities, to every law that is there that is not in direct relationship to God's law. We obey God rather than men. And one of the ways that we obey God is to submit to the laws that are over us. Now, how do we use our freedom as free people in this nation when there are unjust laws, right? You see, in Peter's day and age, what would they do if there was an unjust law? Complain to Nero about it? See how that works. Peter would say, if you suffer for doing what's wrong, like what good is that to you? And I think maybe he would say, if you suffer because you told Nero that he's an idiot and he doesn't know what he's doing, that's probably not the best reason to die. Now, Peter died for his faith. That's a reason to die. So what does it look like in, in our context, okay? And again, this is something that I'm, I'm wrestling with. What is, I, I, want to, I want to use my freedom not as a cover for evil, but as a slave of you. What does that look like? When there's unjust laws, how do we in a democracy use the voting, lobbying, 
calling representatives. Like you, you can call your representative and complain to them about stuff. Now, will it change things? Maybe, maybe not. You can do that. Peter couldn't do that to Nero. So how do we seek to live that out? And that's, we need wisdom in that. What does it mean for us to live here? What would Peter write to us if he was writing? How would he say, you, this is how you submit? In Titus, we get some uh, guidance of what that could look like, okay? Because we're called to submit, but we're called to obey God rather than men. So if there's a complete disagreement, then we know we have to obey God. But when there are unjust laws, what do we do? And this is what Paul said in Titus. He said this, remind them. Okay, so he's talking to a young pastor. So I love the book of Titus and Timothy, okay? Because <laughs> somebody else is reading Titus right now in the Bible app. That's okay. It's fun. It's good. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know what? Okay, I'm going to go off script right here. There is this comedian, Ken Davis. I can help you with that if you want me to. Uh, well, you know what? I don't even know how to use your phone. Oh, I found it. So, um, <laughs> Ken Davis is a comedian. Okay, I don't know if you know him. This is, this is a freebie, completely off script. And he, he gave this story once of in church. He's like, my wife in church. It was like, when you sit down in the seat, in the pew, like, you do not leave. Once you sit down, you stay there the whole service. And he's like, one time I really had to go to the bathroom in the middle of service. And I'm like, oh, honey, I got to go. And she's like, you know the rule. You do not leave. He's like, but I'll, I'll, be, real bad. I'll be right back real quick. And she says, if you leave, you'll set a bad example. And he says, if I stay, I'll set a bad example. So he's like, I get up, I leave, I come back. They haven't even finished the song yet. And I go and I sit, slide in the pew next to my wife and I put my, my arm around her and he's like, and there's this, this hatred brewing up in this lady next to me. Like, like this, this woman that I have loved for my whole life just because I left church, went out and I, and I can just feel it. And so I look over to tell her, this is silly. And it's not my wife. <laughs> she was one row behind him laughing her head off okay and, and this is what he says this is what this is why it reminded me of it he's like do you think god is up in heaven going my people having fun no and he stops no he's like no he's probably like angels come on over here look at this guy i can't believe how crazy he is okay we can laugh we can we can have fun so i thank you for that that was fun that was fun all right titus Remind them, he's talking to young pastors, remind them to be subject to rulers, to authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good deed. Okay, we can see how Peter's lining up with Paul. To malign no one, to be peaceable, gentle, showing every consideration for all men. When we feel like we need to write unjust laws, I think this gives us how we are to do it. We're obedient, we can, we can disagree and we can, uh, and when we need to, like civil disobedience or obeying God, not man, can still be done in a way that's submissive. We will obey God, not men. And they didn't say, and just tell them off. That's just what they said. We will obey God, not men. Peaceable, gentle, showing every consideration. Why? Because we were once just like the world. We were foolish, disobedient, deceived, 
enslaved to various lusts, pleasures, spending our life in malice, envy, hateful, hating one another. We've been that way. We're not supposed to keep acting that way, even for something that we think is a good outcome. This is what I see. How do we live out our faith here in America when we want to see change? I think this shows us. And I put the rest of the passage up here because I, I, I want to give us a whole context. It's like we used to be this way, but when the kindness of God our Savior appeared and his love for mankind appeared, he saved us. And he saved us not on the basis of deeds which we've done in righteousness, but according to his mercy, by the washing and regeneration and renewing by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior. The motivation for how we seek to submit and even to change government or change policies goes back to Jesus has rescued us out of darkness and into light, and we represent him. And by our lives lived in front of people, they see that something is different, and that's a witness. And that at the end of it here, it says, be careful. Oh, uh, those who have believed in God will be careful to engage in good deeds. These things are good and profitable for men. So he's saying, hey, young pastor, teach this. So I go, okay, Paul, I'll teach it. Thank you for Titus and for Timothy that give exhortations to young pastors. So that a little bit is, okay, as we wrestle through, Peter's writing to them, he's writing to us, They lived under a tyrant. We live in a democracy, so we have more freedom. How do we use that freedom to move government in the way we want to see it, but as God's slaves and in the way that he wants? That's something for us to wrestle through prayerfully and not just to go, because you know what, to be honest, sometimes I've just been like, I don't know what to do, and I'm just going to stay in spiritual matters. But we need to use our freedom as a bondservant for Christ, and that's something I want to grow in. Okay, back to Peter. Honor all people. Love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. So he says, yes, you're supposed to honor the king. But here's a really cool thing. If, if you have the NIV, it says, like, respect all people, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. Mm-mm. It's the same word. Honor everybody, honor the king. So, yes, you honor the king or the president or the governor as they're in that position of authority. They're not God. And so, in a sense, he's saying, yes, you honor, but it's almost this backhanded thing. You honor everybody, and you honor them as well. And you know what? Sometimes how we speak about people that are in authority over us, this is, this is something we can work on, and how we honor people. And here's the thing that's different. As Christians, we don't submit to the authority because we don't want to be punished or because we want something good for them. We don't honor people because we want something back from them. We submit to authority. We honor people because that's a way that we show our love to God. It's different than the world. I was listening to a sermon this week, and the pastor said he goes to Disney World, and all the people there, he has this package at the hotel, and they're all like treating him like really polite and honoring him. And he's like, oh, this is kind of cool. But he knows, maybe he's being a little bit cynical. They're doing this because they want his money. They want him to come back. They want to have a good experience. And that's not bad. We're called to honor people because God desires us to that sets us apart from the world there's the special love we have as the church there is a fear that we have for god we don't need to have that same fear for the emperor emperor nero who's a tyrant and crazy and insane hmm. we honor him that's what peter says but we fear and revere god and that's it that's what he means there we honor everybody we honor the emperor we love one another in a special way and we fear god I'm running out of time. Let's keep going. Let's keep going for a bit. 
So he moves from the government to servants. Servants, be submissive to your masters with all respect, not only to those who are good and gentle, but also to those who are unreasonable. So he says, look, you're called to submit to the person that is over you, even if they are a jerk. Okay, that's what he's saying here, because they were in that. He says, for this finds favor, or the literal word is this finds grace. If for the sake of conscience towards God, a person bears up under sorrows when suffering unjustly, for what credit is there if you sin and are harshly treated and you endure it with patience? But when you do what is right and suffer for it patiently and you endure it, this finds favor with God. We don't have a lot of time to unpack this. Maybe we'll talk more about it in Sunday school, okay? He's writing to people that this is what they're living through. They have masters that are not treating them right. And he says, when you submit to them, you show a witness to them. For you've been called to this purpose. Even when you suffer in, uh, unjustly, Christ suffered for you. I dare say, unjustly, right? The perfect one hanging on a tree for my sin, that's, that's unjust, right? He suffered in my place. And so you've been called to this purpose. Jesus suffered you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. And the picture of that is like if, if a kid is learning how to write, And, you know, you have those, like, school books that has, like, the dotted faint lines of all the letters. That's the example that Christ is, and we write right on top of it. Here's how this kind of ties together. In our call to submit to governing authorities, in our call to submit to uh, bosses, in our call to submit in the midst of suffering, our example is Christ. And here's what it says about him. He committed no sin, nor was there any deceit found in his mouth. While being reviled... He did not revile in return. While suffering, he uttered no threats. How could he do that? How could he, when he was getting everything thrown at him, not just explode back? He kept entrusting himself to him who judges righteously. And he himself, Jesus, bore our sins in his body on the cross so we might die to sin and live to righteousness. For by his wounds, you were healed. For we were continually straying like sheep, but now you've returned to the shepherd and the guardian of your soul. So, so here's what I want uh, to get out of, of this, and then we'll wrap up. <clears throat> Jesus knew how to suffer unjustly, so to speak, because he entrusted himself to God, who one day was going to have every sin punished. When people treat you in an unjust way, that sin will be punished one day. It either has been punished on the cross because they've received Jesus, blood for their sins and sacrifice, or it will be punished in hell. That's true. And when we can go through suffering and realize I can leave room for the wrath of God, I don't have to attack, people see there's something different about us. When we mirror the submissive suffering of Christ. And that can become a witness to the world. I want to leave you with this um, story that I heard in a, in a sermon I was listening to this week. So worship team, you guys can come on up. Uh, there was a, a boy that was in youth group. And he came to his pastor, his youth pastor. His, his dad was an atheist. He's like, my dad is not letting me come to youth group or youth ministries. What should I do? And the pastor said, you know what? You're at home, and you need to submit to his authority. Because the guy's like, should I sneak out after he goes to sleep? What should I do? Like, read the Bible. Read the Bible. You've got to go obey God, not man, okay? 
You don't, you don't throw away your Christian faith. But if your dad is saying you can't go, you submit to him. Three years later, this, this young man uh, sent a letter to his pastor and said, you know what, this is what happened. God helped me live out my faith, live out my submission in front of my dad. And my dad, after three years, said, son, I've seen something different about you. I was surprised when you put your faith in Jesus. How could my son do something like that? I didn't understand it, but I've seen you grow and change. And I want to know if I can have the same thing. You know, when I heard that story, I'm like, I don't know if that's the advice I would have given the kid. When we submit even to unjust suffering like Jesus did, it's a witness to the world. And it's not a very popular message. That's why this week was a good studying week. Because, okay, God, how, how do we live? What does this mean for us? Here's our so what's. I think I got them here on the end. How we live matters. How we live, how we submit matters. Why? The world is watching We're called to have our submission and our suffering be a witness. We are called to be people who submit. We don't like that. We don't even really like to submit to God sometimes, right? We want to like look at God's word and see what he says and then weigh in how we think that should impact us rather than say, you're right, I'm living your way. I mean, you all have been there? And so we need God's wisdom for how we are to live in this world, in this time, as his people. We're living stones, built together on the foundation of Jesus Christ, who is the living stone, to proclaim the excellencies of him who's called us out of darkness and into light. And one of the ways we do that is by the witness of submission and suffering. And Peter knew this because his life was going to lead to another cross, crucified upside down for his faith. And so, in my mind, as I've studied this, I feel like we kind of come full circle Why could Peter do this? Because Jesus suffered and because Jesus rose from the dead. Because Jesus rose from the dead, we can suffer. Because Jesus rose from the dead, we can submit. Because Jesus rose from the dead, we have hope in the midst. We have joy in the midst. Because Jesus lives, we can face today And we can face tomorrow. In the midst of hurting, in the midst of aching, we can live for him. All we need is Jesus. And Peter knew that. And it led him right to his own cross and the crown that was to follow. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your word. I pray you'll give us wisdom. How exactly does this call to submit, what does it look like in the intricacies of our life? How does living and acting as free people in this nation where we're free, how, how do we do that in a way that honors you and, and uses the influence that we can have in this government? God, show us how to do that. Because, God, we do want to see just laws and we want to see a nation that, that's after you. We want to we see a government that is that is structured so that people live your way but even more than that we want to see people whose hearts are captured by your love that it's not laws that make them act a certain way or not it's a changed heart so change my heart change our hearts and use us to be a witness to the world around us 
thank you for the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. That changes everything. We love you. We worship you. In your name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together and close out the service by singing, Give Me Jesus.
how true that is because the resurrection of Jesus Christ is enough and he really is all we need that's the truth of the gospel that's the living hope we have so we hurt together and we hope together thank you so much for being here today we'll have Sunday school uh, 11 15 and at both of the locations uh, Don Venema's uh, visitation will be here at the church Friday, 5 to 8 p.m. And uh, the funeral, uh, the memorial service will be Saturday at 11 a.m. right here with an hour of visitation before. Um, we'll make sure that information gets out again. Um, we want you to be able to have that. And let's be seeking, God, how can we be the body of Christ to Roseanne and her family? Showing them love. Showing them grace hurting and hoping together. Lord, we thank you for your word. We worship you and we love you. Help us to be your witnesses, your ambassadors, your people, that the world may see the living hope we have and the change you're making in us and want to know why. And then give us a boldness to speak. We love you, Lord. We worship you. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for being here today. You're dismissed for the time of fellowship.